Blog Talk Radio. Life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. And welcome. I'm Jillian Mossbachman, your host, and I have no idea where you're at in your geography area, but I'm in the Midwest in America, and my show's listening to all over the world now. Anyway, it's just been absolutely gorgeous outside. You know, the season's starting to change from summer to fall, and it's getting cooler outside, and... <laughs> From a shopper's point of view, that's heaven, which means it's time to take my summer clothes and put them away and step into the new fall fashions, which for a fashionista like myself is always a good time. When the seasons change, it means I have to step up my shopping. I know that sounds terrible, but everybody has their little vices, I suppose. You know, but one of the good things about summer to fall is that it's meant to be a time of reflection for that inner growth, whether it's representative letting go and preparing for the dormant season to come of winter, or it's just that time to step back and brush through all the stuff that's in your house and get ready to be more reflective on the inside. So I was able to get outside. I hope you, too, can get outside and get some fresh, crisp air. Isn't it different? The fall seems a little more musty, more earthy smelling versus the summer air that has that stale kind of newness, but it's not quite in full bloom yet. I love that smell. And the crops are starting to be turned over, so the earth is being turmulated and moved over, and it has that real musty smell that I just love. Anyway, there's a lot of times when you have to really step back, and I always use the season as a time to do something different or signal my brain to step it up or change in a different direction. So with that idea of the fall season and change, I was listening to the shows the last couple of weeks, and boy, have I thrown a lot at you. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's just been a very busy last couple weeks between the Oak Creek shooting, of course, and then me leaving for Asia and all the different things that I've been talking about. So if you don't mind, for this last half hour, I want to go ahead and just bring everything full circle and finish some unfinished thoughts that I had the last couple programs and want to make sure that we put that to bed before I go on. You can go back and listen to those podcasts at Change Already with Jillian and really catch yourself up to it. But in that, I had so many different stories and I introduced so many things so quickly and put so many topics on the table. I think that I want to start with a couple things and then we'll finish with some other things that I started. Yesterday was the first time I was able to reach out and personally meet again, with some of my dear friends that are associated with the Oak Creek Temple shooting, C. 
Seek shooting several weeks ago in Oak Creek, Milwaukee. And I'm not sure if any of you know or have listened to that show. Go back and listen to it. I did a dedication for my friends on the Seek shooting, and they're very close, dear friends of mine and have been for many years now. And the incident happened right before I left for Asia, and I really didn't have any time to meet with them. And you know how it is. I'm always thinking that there's no accidents. And so I really wasn't involved with the hoopla that went on because, of course, there's a lot of people that showed up and helped. And it was kind of a circus towards the end because so many people were coming. But the biggest thing that my friend said to me yesterday that she wants everybody to know and all the people that I was with, that they appreciate so much. And, you know, tears were welling up in her eyes as she talked about some of the people that she lost because they were so close. And in the speak way, they go into forgiveness and that place of understanding all of alignment with the world but yet they still had that mourning process of losing their physical friends and close relatives in some cases. And they appreciated so much the outpouring of condolences and just the thoughts and kind words that were coming from everywhere. And I mean everywhere, like I talked last time, messages of hope and sadness and just this universal thought that we were, and people from all over the world, not just Sikhs, but of all diversities, were in their corner and wanted them to know that they were sending love and forgiveness and hope for the future that they could get over this tragedy together and that they were all together. So they wanted me to make sure that on air that I personally thank all of you that reached out to them, whether you did it physically, emotionally, or even spiritually, which is even better sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we don't know what to say to people in a time of loss, and sometimes we're not so good at it. So spiritually and etherically is a great way to help those that you can't get to if they're clear across the world. And the second part that they wanted to say was, please don't let their friends die in vain. They're worried about complacency, and they're worried that we're going to go right back to where we came from. And, yeah, they were a glitch on the map, and, and all this disaster happened, and, of course, they were a media frenzy, but we all know how that goes. The media moves to the next exciting point, wherever that is in the world, and the tragedy gets left behind, not in just this situation, but every situation, you know, when the media frenzy dies and the lights are gone, it becomes very real to people. And they're they're requesting and asking that I convey to you that we should keep the dialogue going, that we continue to educate ourselves about the Sikh religion in particular and their unique way of praising their own spiritual life and the way they live in this peaceful existence for everyone, and to know the diversity of everyone and that whole inclusive thing. If you watch back, they had beautiful vigils for candlelight vigils for people of the loss in the families. And if you look at the crowd, it was like a 
a combination of melting pot of people from all over the world. And so the only thing that they ask is don't live these people in vain and that we keep on moving to a greater awareness and understanding and hopefully acceptance for each and every person in the way they choose to live. It was kind of sad to sit there and watch my friends be in their sadness, but they also, as in their way, were on the other side of healing and they wanted everyone else to deal with that. And I totally agree with them. You know, we talked about fear a little bit and how they can't live in fear, but they certainly are making a different perspective of how they address their lives and go about their lives each and every day. And I don't think there's anything wrong with understanding that there's a bigger world out there. You know, it's a smaller community in the Midwest, and they weren't accustomed to living more in urban living. But when you live in a bigger community, you come away with a different kind of evolution and how you live your day-to-day life. I found that parallel with when I was in Ho Chi Minh City, city of nine million, you know, they were friendly, but they're always on guard and they really didn't go out of their way to say hello to anyone else. And that caught me off guard a little bit because I'm not used to that in America. If you've traveled anywhere, Americans are known for at least exchanging pleasantries as you pass by somebody, but that's not really what I found in the Asian culture. And, you know, I think there's a nice balance between all that, but I hope we don't lose some of that because I think that's indigenous to our own American population and we were born on that and our forefathers really worked on being a part of each other's lives. And I think just being friendly to each other is a part of that process. And they've gone to the other extreme now because they're in fear a little bit of what's going on out there, but they're not going to abandon that ideology that we are all just friends and want each other to win as well. I really hope we don't lose that reputation in the world, you know, because the rest of the world and the universe doesn't understand how we work that way but a little bit of fear and a little bit of personal awareness of your space, I suppose, is always a good thing. So they're healing. They're feeling better about their lives. They're moving on. They're making adjustments, as you would suppose anyone would in this situation, but they will never abandon their seek space of being a peaceful and loving and forgiving community which I think is just a lesson we all can learn from the tragedy and hopefully keep it going into the future as long as we can. After the break, I want to talk about another thing that I brought up last week, which was world hunger and world famine. And didn't get to finish, so we'll talk about that right after this break.
back to Change Already with Jillian Moss Backman, your host. That's me. After before the break, I was talking um, about all the different subjects I've been covering for the last couple of weeks, and I felt like it was very, very heavy. And you know, if you've been able to listen for a while, I kind of go heavy, and then I go a little lighter on the subjects, and I go heavy and light, and kind of all over the board because isn't that the way life is? It's a little of this, it's a little of that, and isn't that the way everybody's life goes? You know, sometimes we have to deal with heavy stuff, and in between those heavies, we try to throw in some lighter topics and subjects, which hopefully in the next couple of weeks I'll be able to do. The other thing I wanted to say is if you have any topics or thoughts that you'd like to share, please go to my website at JillianMossBackman.com which is J-I-L-L-I-A-N-M-A-A-S-B-A-C-K-M-E-N.com. And leave your comments there. I, I do a lot of posting on there and pictures. Or you can tweet me at Jillian Moss Backman and, of course, my Facebook page at Jillian Moss Backman. Love to hear what you have to say. Love your comments. And maybe even thoughts of where we should go next on subjects. I'm open to any discussion. Pretty much, pretty much. Some I'm not majority of them. Last week, I started talking about world famine and hunger, and I wanted to pick up and finish my thoughts on that idea because I didn't quite get it all in last time. I didn't rush. I just had didn't finish my whole thought. As you recall, I was talking about and telling you the story of seeing those boat people and the forest people in the thatched houses that were living on the banks of Cambodia River. And they were up in, literally up on stilts 40, 50 feet high, and they were thatched roofs. Now, by I suppose by anybody's standards, you would label them, uh, I don't know, for a better lack of words, more poor than average people in the universe. I don't know what that means. But anyway... You get the idea that they're they're living in an existence that's very simple and very kinetically connected with the earth because they've been indigenous people and have been living this way from generation to generation. Well, in that conversation we had with our guard, he was telling us that we're on the cusp of the rainy season And during the rainy season, it gets even more challenging to, A, keep the family safe, and B, keep the food supply ample enough to make it through that season because they don't come down out of their houses. They live in these houses, and the boat people actually live in these thatched roof houses on top of the boat. So he said it's very challenging. In fact, he was telling us the road that we were on will basically be washed away. And so they will be simply cut away from the rest of the community and out there left to their own devices. And I thought about how interesting that was in the change of seasons that we're going through now from fall to summer, but how we don't see our changes from this transition that we do year to year and we're used to it as a dangerous situation, but some people in the world actually see it as a more precarious part of living through the elements that the earth brings. Can you imagine how it feels like to have to 
gather up enough food supply that you literally depend on your own intuition and your own thoughts and your own gut feeling of how much food you need, how much water you need, how much safety you need to make it through the next couple weeks and months ahead it, from the unpredictable weather that's ahead, I can't imagine what that feels like. Nor do I personally want to even try to put my head around it. But what is our responsibility as people in the world that we know that other people are going through this? What part do we have and responsible for getting them and helping them through all this? That's an interesting subject and, of course, debated throughout the world of world hunger and world, you know, world and how we should all be helping. The other thing I saw is I passed by hut after hut on the dry lands and there were just lines of them in makeshift compounds with thatched roofs, of course. Some had, you know, wood included, but some you know, barbed wire fences that they found and just sporadic things that looked like they had found to make this makeshift fence around their houses. But I saw these small white signs. Now, they were visible from the roads that we were on, but I could barely see at some point writing on them. I thought, what in the world? And then I kept going, and there were dozens of dozens. I mean, you go like every two or three in these compounds and they'd have these white signs like on the edge of the road so you could read it. And so at one point we were slow enough in our travels that I could actually read a sign. And the sign had a listing of common names that you would use in America like Joneses and Smiths and those kind of names that are pretty common in the state. And then underneath the name, they had the city where these people lived, the state where they lived, and even the country where they were from. Well, it took me a while, and we had a discussion about it. And finally, I realized these signs were posting of communities and or single-dwelling families from all over the world that were sponsoring these families in these compounds that we were seeing in Cambodia. Well, then I started thinking about, wow, you know, we talk and we hear sometimes that we're not doing enough and that we're not out there enough and what's the answer to world hunger. But I have to tell you from my own personal experience that I saw in Cambodia and quite frankly, some in Vietnam, there are a lot of people out there hosting single families that were being sponsored, these native families from all over the world. There was Russia, a lot of Russians, a lot of Australians, a lot of Asian families, a ton of American families. You know, it was comforting to know that the world is out there and that it may not be the flashy things that we see with celebrities. You know, we see all these celebrities and important people going to communities and, and the images that we see on in the thing. But the quiet people behind 
these signs one family at a time or one small community or even some corporations I saw, they're there. They're quietly doing the work behind the scenes. And I was so proud to see that a lot of Americans were doing just that. And probably their next-door neighbors don't know, their friends don't know, maybe even other family members don't know. But that's not the point, is it? The point is that we quietly do the work without the expectations of being publicly really rewarded, but privately they know in their heart that they're doing their own part. As I've told you many times, I wait for spirit to bring me direction of what I do, what I need to do next. This has really been weighing heavily on my heart since I saw this, and I'm not so good at it. I'm not one of those people, those images will stay with me for the rest of my life in passing during my day just because I take it so closely into my heart. But for some reason, as I told you last week, I'm a work in progress in this area, and I'm sure that spirit or the universe wanted me to see all that, wanted me to talk about it. And so for me, the change of seasons from summer to fall, I'm asking myself, what am I supposed to do next for this world hunger issue? I don't know. I'll figure it out as it comes by, (laughs) as always. But I see fall as a part and a perfect time to ask those questions for myself and you to ask those questions of yourself. The kids are back in school, which represents vacations over, and it's time to get back to business and the movement of change and growth. As I said earlier, it represents a time of reflective thought, evaluation of where you've been. Whether that's physical or inward contemplation, it's the expression of yourself that we need to look at. We're just halfway past the point of year 2012. Dig out your New Year's resolutions that you started with in December, hopefully, and by the end of January, obviously. How are you going to finish up the year? Fall's a good time to take stock in all of those kind of things and see if you're on point for where you want to be towards the end of the year, moving into 2013. You want to look at those New Year's resolutions and do it without judgment and see what your personal resolutions look like and see where you need to tweak it a bit so you finish out the year strong. And then ask yourself, as I'm doing right now, I looked at my own resolutions and took a a stock in what I needed to do next, but now I've added something at the bottom of my list, a bigger resolution that's going to take me into the future for many years, this world hunger issue and world peace issue that's so prevalent in the world right now. What bigger issue or role is being called to you in your own transition from summer to fall? Fall is a time where we kind of downgrade a little bit. We do less out. We do less in the world, and we get ready for the dormant season. And it's a perfect time to see what messages are reflecting back to you of what 
you're being called as a universal world resolution to finish out the year and keep moving. I'm not sure what's going to happen, and I'm not really sure how it's going to manifest itself in the next couple years. But I just have this gut feeling, of course, that I was supposed to see it and experience it in a different way than I had before. And I have to say, probably about five or six years ago, I probably couldn't have handled it. It was too devastating, and the poverty was too hard for me to look at. Thankfully, I've grown a little bit, (laughs) and I'm able to take more of a step back and see how it all fits together and how all the pieces universally fit with one another. Back then, I probably would have stayed in that pity the lady was talking about to me in the airport. But now I'm able to see from a more teacher point of view, a more older, wiser point of view, how it needs resolution, but what kind of help does it need? Do I need to become one of those sponsors of family and get one of those white plaques, which I wouldn't do? Or do I have a bigger calling? And I hope you can feel the same kind of expression and tugging to your own heart. Maybe you've come across something, a universal problem or challenge that we're all facing. Like I talked about last week, we are in the world new order now. And it's time for me and you to look beyond our own American borders and see what we can do on the other side of the universe and how that works with our personal New Year's resolution and where we can dedicate ourselves and our own talents to moving forward into this new matrix that we're all in together. Enough of that. I hope that you enjoyed the last couple weeks. It was very tenuous, up and down, as I said, Next week, I want to go on to more lighter subjects. I'm not sure what that's going to be yet, but I have a little inkling in my head it might be about food. Food is such a strange subject for people, and Dr. Oz is doing a wonderful job in changing the American plateau in thoughts and ideologies we have towards it and health in general. So I want to kind of piggyback on that with some of my own thoughts and ideas on food and how it works and fall and everything else. But between now and then, remember, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. I will be here next week, as usual, same time, high noon, Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already. <laughs>